Hello there. Graham Norton here. We've got some great stuff for you on the Graham Norton Wake to Us podcast here today. Toby Jones joins me to chat all about his brand new ITV drama coming in January. It's called Mr. Bates versus the Post Office. Show chef Martha has one final treat for me before Christmas. She's making a chocolate hazelnut bouche de Noël. Ouais, c'est ça. Speaking of festivities, we'll be bringing the wheel out for a brand new game of Wheelie Merry Christmas. And... Maria McCurden is here, as always, for our final Graham's Guide Dilemmas of the Year. Here she is now. Hello, Maria. Um, I am quite shiny this morning because I've just had a little bit of a mishap in the loo, Graham, where I put my finger through my pleather leggings, which are quite shiny. Um, so that's what I'll be getting in the January sales, some new pleather leggings. Yes, you don't want pleather leggings with a hole in them. Um, I do say six minutes past ten seems very early to be wearing pleather leggings. Does it? Oh, it's a Sunday. I'm, I'm on it. They're very cosy, Graham. I recommend them for your bicycle. I could see you striding out to get your Sunday papers in your pleather <laughs> leggings. Mm, a well-turned calf. Yes, exactly. Um, did you watch any of the Strictly final last night? Do you know John's? I did? I watched about two thirds of it. Two thirds of it. And Before you fell asleep? No, I didn't fall asleep. I think I just wandered off into another room. Uh, well, no, because it was it was fabulous. But you know, it's one of those things. In the end, that the final is fabulous. But I saw the show dances, and that was what I wanted to see. Um, what, what, yes. What did they do after that? Oh, they they all did three dances. I can't remember because I was a bit like you. But um, I love the fact that it was sort of quintessentially, it's so British to applaud, um, you know, the bravery and the courage of Ellie Leach and Vito, um, even when it doesn't work out. So really, you know, I feel in America, if you hadn't have landed that, that lift, which they didn't, um, they would have been, well, they were marked down, but they still won. So I quite like that we, we applaud that attempt. Just, yes. you know, have a go. And also, um, what was supposed to happen? What was supposed, that's what I wanted to know. I kind of, she was, was meant so- to stand on his shoulders and she didn't have, I think she didn't have the balance and decided, you know, quite rightly, I'm not going to stand six feet above the ground if I'm not balanced. And so just kind of like, you know, they pulled it. And, you know, they worked so well together, so for for all intents and purposes, nobody fell over, nobody wobbled, really. And they they managed to pull it off. And she was so upset and he was so kind of charming and it really doesn't matter. So that made us all cry, I think, really, didn't it? And also the dance up to that point had been absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, mean, all the lifts that they had done were terrific, but that was obviously the piece de resistance, the cherry on the cake, uh, the Ellie on the veto, as it were, and they nice. didn't manage to do it. But also, do you think, Graham, do you know, have any insider knowledge about oh, this? Yes. Is Craig leaving Strictly because he got terribly emotional talking about her and he brought up uh, Strictly's past. He talked about N- Natasha Kaplinsky from year one. Yes, I do feel um, a bit sorry if Natasha Kaplinsky was sitting at home watching it thinking, oh, I love this show. Remember I won it. And then he threw so much shade at her. <laughs> kind of like, I looked at you imagining... Imagine Natasha Kaplinsky trying to do that. <laughs> well, I think because in the 20 years or so it's been going, it, you know, the standard has reached ridiculous levels now. They're all like professional dancers. And we now, this year, started in sort of week one, where...
where people were brilliant, Leighton and Nikita and so on. But I thought it was, you know, I, I will miss it, Graham, because the glitter and the glamour and the glitz and the showbiz kind of took us out of ourselves every Saturday night, didn't it? It did. You know what's weird, though? So I, I watch Strictly and I really enjoy Strictly. And and then I have to say, and I don't, I know it's a totally different beast, but it kind of pushes the same button for me, is The Masked Singer. I don't want to watch The Masked Singer, but if I start watching it, I then do want someone to take a head off and I want to know who's in there. And it's just, it looks bright, nice colours. <laughs> I just, I mean, it you washes know, we over all me. know we're being manipulated, don't we, by clever producers with the music and the jeopardy and the tension. We all know, but maybe we just want to go along with that and we don't care. Yeah. I mean, well, it's like judges scoring those dancers last night and, and, and the dancers pretending to be excited or, dis- or disappointed by their scores. Like, they were meaningless, the scores. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's just you know, just vote for who you like. Uh, I was holding up my paddles at home. Frankly, I gave them all tens all across the board, and was very happy with hey, my judging. And what about years and years? Our man Ollie Alexander. Oh he- my goodness! Last night it was a it was a gay man's delight, wasn't it? Finding out that Ollie Alexander is going to represent us in the Eurovision Song Contest. Does that mean he's going to write a song for it? I didn't quite get that. You might know the inside info. Um. I think he's written a song. I think that's what's happened. I think there is a song floating around, um, and I assume he wrote it. He writes songs, so yeah, I'm sure it's he does. Him. That's what he does. Yeah. But you know, usually we get somebody to do a bim bam alom bomb, don't we? One of those Eurovision songs. So I just hope they kind of let him have his reign because he's a brilliant performer. What? He is really, really good when you see him on stage, and he's absolutely everything that that Eurovision is, in my opinion. Bing bang bong. When did you last watch well, Eurovision? You know, ding, <laughs> well, you know, those sort of ones no. with a really strong hook. Yes, Spaceman and I wrote a song. And they're great songs. Very good songs. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, it's a new world, Maria. It's a new world. And Ollie <laughs> Alexander's in it. Virgin Radio. Woo! Douze points. Oh, here we go. First question. Uh, no, not question. First problem. <laughs> I'm a quiz show now. Dear Graham and Maria. My grandparents, both in their 80s, are growing increasingly annoyed that only a couple of their five children and a few of their 12 grandchildren make the effort to visit them on a regular basis. I'm one of the few grandchildren that does try and pop around once a week, at least. However, I can fully appreciate the reason for them not having more frequent visitors, and that is due to the smell of their home. My grandfather is insistent that he likes the scent of TCP and so has spent the last five plus years replacing the essential oils of reed diffusers around the house with TCP. It's absolutely unbearable and clings to your clothes. Any food or gifts they share as well as getting onto your skin and in your hair. My cousin once tried to tell them the smell is terrible. But my grandfather told her not to bother visiting if she doesn't like it. She hasn't done since, nor have many other cousins. I've since done some research on the health implications of such a harsh chemical. And some studies have even suggested that TCP is carcinogenic. My husband and I have two small children and he's very reluctant for us to continue visiting so regularly, given the unpleasantness of the odour and associated potential health risks. How do I approach this subject with my grandparents when they have been hostile to criticism in the past? But also, I'm concerned for their long-term health. 
should I also start avoiding visiting them. Please help, as I hate to think that I might upset them, but I can't help agree with my family. It's a major downfall to be spending time in their home. And that is from Louise in Derbyshire. Oh, Louise in Derbyshire, this is a this is a stinky one and no mistake. I mean, is that the real reason that they don't visit your grandparents because it's a bit stinky of TCP? I mean, I understand it is a particularly nasty smell and it gets everywhere. Um, the way I think you have to move forward on this is to hit this on the head. Go around with a gift, you know, put up with the smell momentarily and tell them. Say, I think there's a reason people don't come around because absolutely stinky of TCP. I'm not sure about the carcinogenic effects, frankly. I think you'd have to ingest quite a lot of TCP and um, a bit of a smell here and there. But you have to just say to them, I think people would come more if the house smelled different. We have bought you reed infusers and they've been replaced with bottles of TCP um, and see how they react. Because if they say, well, if they don't like it, they cannot bother. Well, then you've done your best. You've absolutely... But if they do want to see everyone, maybe they'll take it on board. Um, I think do a bit more research on the, you know, harmful effects of it because mm, that's questionable. But also, is it the real reason? They sound quite curmudgeonly, frankly, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't visit them anyway. In short, sharp bursts, you don't have to stay forever. You don't have to eat the food, um, but just pop in, especially this time of the year. You know, it's very important to say hi Oh, what's that terrible smell? Graham, what's your thought? Well, uh, on first reading, you think grandparents, they cray-cray. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they, they have left the building. Uh, I mean, bonkers! Uh, the, so it's very sweet of Louise to go at all. Um, I think, I think you, know, you know what's happened here. The grandfather has read something. Or he heard something on the radio or, God forbid, he was online. And he's discovered that if you have the TCP in the air, it, you know, helps you combat something. Or there's COVID. So, or there, yes, COVID. Or there's, you know, he'll have read something. So I think ask your granddad, like, because no one, no one likes the smell of TCP. Nobody goes, hmm, oh, to TCP. Thank you. Yes, it is. Uh, I think so, it's addictive, though. Don't you remember there was a certain radio producer when we were at the other place? Well, that's because he was used... doing. That's because he was doing dentistry. He was doing do, DIY doing his dentistry. His own dentistry, and then swilling mouth and spitting into the bin. And whenever we were in that studio, it was horrible. Yeah. Let's not name him. No, but also, but it was not a nice smell. Nobody likes that smell. So no. Uh, so I just think. The grandfather's doing this for a reason. It's not because he thinks, oh, finally, my house smells of TCP. He's thinking that it, this has some weird health benefit or or it'll keep bed bugs away. He'll have got it in his head. <laughs> There's something he's afeard of, and this is the way to avoid it. Find out what that is and tell him he's a moron because it's not working and all it's done. Unless unless what he read was it'll not keep very all it, to call him a moron. It'll right? keep all it'll keep all your grandchildren away. That's what he heard online. If you make your house stink of TCP, young people will leave you alone. And uh, sure enough, it's working a treat. But I, I get to the bottom of it, Louise, because he's doing it for a reason. Find out what the reason is and then explain to him why that's nonsense. Um, and you know, get him a nice a nice scented candle. It's Christmas, isn't it? Candle. Candle. Yeah, everyone likes a candle. Four candles, four candles. <laughs> so, One uh, for each room. Yeah, I just think that that's, you know, there, there has to be an explanation behind this. So get get to that 
Uh, don't don't complain about the smell. Don't make him all defensive. Just go, it's really interesting how, you know, you've really gone big on TCP, Grandad. Uh, how come? And, and he'll just say, I like it. I like the smell. I think it is quite addictive, probably. Yeah. <laughs> or, or I can hardly smell the TCP. Have <laughs> you started using less? Direct responses, part one of my favourite responders today. We'll be getting a number one golden bouche de Noël, courtesy of Waitrose. Yes, it's this year's Christmas showstopper. Uh, layers of rich blonde chocolate mousse and silky salted caramel and caramelised biscuit sauce on a milk chocolate base speckled with crunchy caramelised biscuit hand finished with shimmering golden lustre. You can, of course, uh, serve it with caramel bark. Yeah, that comes with it. Yeah, there you go. Golden bouche de mel. Gorgeous. Showstopper. Emma, quite frankly, the smell of TCB is better than bodily fluids. Maybe that's what your grandparents are trying to cover up. My mom's house smells of her stinky dog. She can't smell it herself as she's lost her sense of smell since COVID. I buy plug-in air fresheners and replace them when needed. Well, thanks for that information, Emma. I'm not sure what the advice was, but oh, I guess plug-in thing. But then it's just smell on smell. Then it's just like TCP in a rose garden. Yeah. Brett, en France, originally Portsmouth. I still believe in respect for elders. He is the king of his castle and as such has earned the right to have his domain how he wants and shouldn't have to explain to younger generations. Surely they can all tolerate the smell for short periods and suck it up. Hmm, see what I did there? Not really. Uh, seriously, you will miss the smell when they're gone. Enjoy them and their quirks while you can. I mean, yeah. I mean, that'd be different if they were, I mean... But yeah, they're only in their 80s. This could go on for, you know, decades. I don't know. Anyway, why don't you offer to meet the Cray Cray grandparents at the pharmacy where they purchase copious amounts of TCP? That way you get to see them, not in their infused home. Sensible advice from Annabelle and Welwyn. Welwyn. And of course, uh, you can help them carry all the bags of TCP back to their car because they must be quite heavy. Unless they get it delivered in crates. Can you buy TCP in bulk? What things we don't know. We didn't know. Next time your grandparents complain that family members don't visit, remind them of the conversation they had with your cousin, who did tell them the reason, and that she was told not to visit if she doesn't like it, so they got what they wanted. Then, unless they are permanently housebound, suggest that they speak to their other children and grandchildren and arrange to meet them away from their house, somewhere for coffee or lunch, or ask if they can visit other people in their own homes. Finally, some practical, sensible advice from Madeline in Hampshire. Guess what? You're getting the number one gold. Golden Bush Noel. Woohoo! Congratulations. Guide. Uh, let's have another letter, please. Okay, good. Dear Graham and Maria, a letter here which may or may not resonate with a listener or two at this time of year. I'm one of those people who simply hates Christmas. I feel like I'm doomed. I was born at Christmas, so never really managed to get friends together for a party, so I don't celebrate it. I'm an only child. There are no siblings to hook up with. I'm single. My friends are mainly far away in London. I moved away at the beginning of this year and find going back difficult. And the friends I do have here are wrapped up in their own Christmas whirlwinds. I'm self-employed. There are no office parties or colleagues I can party with. In short... I am lonely. This year feels worse than all of the others. Social media is full of everyone seemingly looking happy. But even if they're not happy, they are at least busy. I have nothing to do and no plans besides seeing my mum on the day itself. I'm the sort of person who can make friends with anyone when I'm out and about, yet I just can't find it in myself to ask anyone if they can invite me out. As per the above, they're busy anyway. So, what can I do? It feels even worse admitting that I am lonely, as it just seems to compound the feeling. 
Having listened to you for years, I'm imagining you might suggest volunteering or joining a club, but I'm not sure. Maybe someone somewhere is advertising a party for waifs and strays, or is that a bit embarrassing? Any thoughts on this? And that is from James in Solihull. James in Solihull, first of all, you are not alone. There are a lot of people that don't like Christmas. There are a lot of people that are alone at Christmas. This is not an exclusive club that you feel like you're in on your own. I'm going to be to some tough love here, James. You have to own this. You have to own the fact that you have allowed this to happen with friends that you don't see anymore and people that you don't really hook up with. Because I think what's happened is you've become very insular. Yes, you work from home, but even if you work from home and you don't have the office party, etc., you've got to make an effort, James. You have to own this and make an effort with your own life. You sound like you can make friends with anyone, but for some reason it's stopping you doing it. And I think what it is, is that you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable, James, in Solihull. You have to say to people, what's everyone doing at Christmas? I think I'm probably going to be on my own. Although you do have your mum on Christmas Day. It is only one day after all. Come Boxing Day, everyone feels sick and we get on with our lives. So, you know, we put so much pressure on ourselves to have a good time, to not be lonely, to be part of the gang. I mean, there are always um, waifs and strays lunches for people. I know that from where I live. You know, you just have to be connected to your WhatsApp groups or whatever to see if anyone's saying, anyone who's alone this Christmas, please come over. I'll be doing chicken or turkey or whatever. So you've got to... <coughs> excuse me. You've got to um, get off your bottom here, James, and... Be responsible for your own happiness or not. A lot of people love being alone. A lot of people think, oh, yeah, I'll do one day, that's enough, and then I'll get on with my life and I'll decorate the back room. <laughs> not a euphemism. So I just think enough with this now, James. Take control, take ownership, and maybe give yourself a task of finding something to do for next year. Even if it's you hosting the Wastes and Strays, James, in Solihull, you'll be very much appreciated and you won't be on your own. Graham? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I feel like James needs to look at his life and realise he's made a series of decisions that have left him in this situation. You know, he's self-employed, he moved away from London. You know, all all those things have consequences uh, unless you do something about them. I mean, even, I don't know what you like, Maria, if I'm writing, if I'm spending all day by myself, I will make sure I make a plan that I'm going to go out that evening or I'm going to see someone for a drink or dinner or something just because you understand that you shouldn't spend all that time alone. So I, I think we James... We are social animals. We need yeah. contact. So I think, James, and you it's... need to, you know, forget Christmas, look at the rest of your year and, you know, make plans, be more social. And this is the key thing. And it's what you said at the end there, Maria. You host you make the calls. You do the thing. Because you're sitting there thinking, oh, everyone's busy. Uh, no one's calling me. But you're not calling anyone. You're just sitting there making this true. Um, also, a bit rude to your mom. Your mom is a human being. <laughs> you are spending Christmas with her. So you're not really alone. And make that, make that little Christmas as lovely as you can. Make it really special. And, you know, make it a real treat. Something for the two of you to look forward to. Mm. Uh, and because I, I feel like... 
this is all a self-fulfilling thing. Kind of, you know, yeah, Christmas absolutely. is miserable. Now, look, it is miserable. So just stop it. Stop it, James. Uh, you know, it. Because I think it's very polarising, Christmas. I mean, I think what James is saying is, in general, his life is not great, he's a bit lonely. In general, he's not doing what he should. But Christmas polarises all those feelings and somehow we're allowed then to feel sorry for ourselves on that day because... Yes, oh, and also, also no, James, you know, have a word with yourself because you realise that the vast majority of stuff you see on social media, in ads, on telly, in movies is nonsense that isn't that is not the shiny happy thing it's a bunch of people having fights it's people drinking too much it's people you know stressed it, 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 you are avoiding a lot of that stuff so don't just think oh if only there were 20 people in my house with a you know a big christmas pudding on fire no <laughs> No, yeah, you're absolutely right. But I think also, James, you know, we're giving you some tough love here. If you wanted sympathy, we're not really giving you that because you sound like you can do this yourself, James, in Hollyhill. Uh, and it's up to you, not just at Christmas, but start in January. Make your social life a priority. Yeah, and look, I, I mean, I know it must be annoying that your birthday is a Christmas too. So it's a kind of a double whammy of kind of like, oh, nobody likes me. I have no friends. Da, da, da. But I'm sorry, you know, Jesus is a big act to follow. Uh, so, you know, your your birthday is going to get overshadowed. <laughs> It's not. It's not easy. Uh, so you you just have to own that. You just have to own that, James. And uh, yeah. And like I say, just make it as special as it can for you and your mom. And next year, maybe you and your mom could t- go away, go go somewhere, and you know, be in a hotel or or plan ahead. And as Marie said, you make the calls. You gonna go? Oh, I thought we might host Christmas. Me and my mom were always by ourselves. It'd be nice to have some other people. You know, not you, obviously you can't invite an entire family. But if there's a you know. A couple that you know that kind of, you know, they might like some company. Do that. Do that. Da Responses Part 2. And again, my favourite responder will be getting that number one golden bush to Noel, courtesy of Waitrose. It is the Christmas showstopper. Mm, yeah. So, what can we say to James in Solihull? Well, Gemma in Bristol says, for James, do something new. You sound anti-volunteering, but this will do you good, as well as the people you're giving your time to. Otherwise, get a job at your local pub. A great way to meet people in your local area, and there'll be a party every night. Christmas is happening, so go and get involved. You know, Gemma, that pub idea, it sounds kind of crazy, but... If it's a busy pub and you don't need the money, they will always need someone to do kind of glass collecting, glass washing, whatever. And she's right. You know, you will meet people and keep you busy. And, yeah, uh, not not the worst idea in the world. Uh, Jill in London. Oh, James, I don't mind being alone, but I would give anything to have had one more Christmas with my mom. Count your blessings and ask her if she's worrying about any of her friends who will be alone on the day. Then invite them along. Merry Christmas to you. Jill in London, that's the most simple idea, but a lovely one. Um, you know, it might be who James wants to spend Christmas Day with, but you'll be doing such a nice thing for other people who are feeling the way you feel like and have felt like that for longer than you. So that would be a really gorgeous thing to do. James, I could sympathise. Although I was in different circumstances to you, I moved house and gave up work when I first had a baby. I was so lonely, I thought I would just shrivel up. Try to take the pressure off yourself about Christmas and enjoy the day with your mom. Say yes to things when you're asked and confide in your friends that it's hard. They will want to help and maybe haven't realised you're finding it difficult. It might take a little time, but you can change this. And that's from Dawn in the Highlands. Thank you, Dawn. 
Uh, Anne says, Many of us spent a very lonely time through COVID lockdown, plus a few relatives, friends with busy lives. I've actually pulled over in my car to message as there are so many lonely people out there. And then Anne has a list. Be brave. Give things a go. For example, Meet Up app must be other similar apps. I took that step and have made lots of new friends, many in a similar position as the caller. Give it a go. If you don't like it, you can go home, but at least you'll know you've made the effort. Also, volunteering is a way to meet and forge new friendships. And at the most, tell your friends how you are feeling. They probably think you're having a busy and happy time. Good luck and find some merriment this Christmas. Thank you so much to Anne and everyone who took the time to give advice to James in Solihull. Uh, Jill in London is getting the number one golden bush Noel courtesy of Waitrose. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. It is time to welcome my guest today, Mr. Toby Jones. Uh, he stars is Alan Bates in Mr. Bates versus the Post Office. Uh, hello, Toby. Hi. Happy Christmas, Graham. Happy Christmas. Yes. It seems appropriate to say it. it do, I feel like we're there now. Yes, yes. Didn't it start early this year? It did, well, because isn't it a weird day or something that everyone's slightly nervous about the timings and everything? The, I didn't know it was a Monday. I thought it was on the Sunday. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, there you go. Because someone said they were coming on Saturday. Well, oh, that's Christmas Eve. It's only two nights. No, they're there for three nights. Anyway, yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> I digress. Um, uh, this show uh, about this post office drama, yes. I was saying just before, it's a huge scandal that somehow didn't get the attention it seemed to deserve. Well, I, you know, I've said before that I just, I was so ashamed how little I, I sort of understood the basis of it. And then I just didn't pay any attention. And I remember it appearing on sort of at the beginning of news and there's a part of you just switches off. Postman, fraud. And I don't know why, because it's absolutely appalling what happened. And yeah. people have called it like the biggest scandal in British legal history. And, you know, who knows if that's true or not. But it's so simple to understand. A computer system was implemented. It didn't work properly. Loads of people were charged, a postman, innocent postmen, were charged for all the money that they claimed they'd defrauded from the post office. And they haven't... Uh, some of them went to prison. Some of them lost their minds. Some of them committed suicide. And this huge tragedy that goes on because they still haven't been paid compensation or anything. Yeah, It's just absolutely dreadful. And I, I, it, one of the great things about this show, hopefully, will Gwyneth Hughes, who's written it, has found a way to condense all of that history into four hours of drama, which will be immediately explicable to everyone. Yes. I mean, there are kind of terrifying, just little throwaway lines where you kind of go, well, we've been meeting here for six years. And you went, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, exactly. Because uh, it, uh, and also, you know, it's framed, I think what's lovely about the drama is it's framed in that kind of feel-good way of kind of, you know, Aaron Brockovich, you know, kind of yeah. little yeah, people yeah. against the, the big well, corporate thing. What, uh, but, that's but, like, people might be going, well, this is something I won't be watching at Christmas. But in fact, it is, there is... It's hugely positive and uplifting in the sense that uh, Alan Bates, the character I play, who is this very, you know, discreet, private man who didn't want this to happen to, achieved this extraordinary thing of mobilising all of these very isolated postmasters and creating a movement in which they took on and have beat or are in the process of beating the post office. Yeah, and, and that terrifying thing, and this is in episode one, so it's not a spoiler, yeah. that, that the the helpline, when you rang the computer helpline to kind of go, my, my computer's computer is not working, they would specifically tell you, 
you are the only one. Yeah, that's the really crooked thing and the, the really cynical thing that people were told that they were on their own. No one else is experiencing these problems. And I found that it's sort of you, you wonder at the corporate mentality about why do people want to serve a business that is screwing people up? Yeah. Innocent people up. And there must be just something that happened with those people that they were divorced from reality working for the post office. It is. And I mean, it, you feel nervous because, you know, real people who are still alive are being yeah. portrayed yeah. in yeah. this. And you don't want to kind of demonise people yeah. uh, unnecessarily. And yet some of them, you do kind of... Like, you, um, Julie Hesmanholz, who plays your wife, yeah. she says it to somebody else. But you feel like saying to all of them, how do you sleep at night? Yeah. How do they sleep at night? Because they obviously they weren't entirely cooperative with the drama that we've been <laughs> putting on. So anything that you see them say in the show is in the public realm because they weren't keen to get in to get on board with the drama. You know. Yeah, and presumably uh, Alan was involved, was he? Yeah, Alan. Yeah, he was involved, but you know he's so preoccupied with doing what he does, which is fighting the post office. But, you know, the idea of some flippity-jibbit actor ringing him up and sort of going, Alan, I'm going to be playing you. And he, oh, yeah, right, well, you know, what do you need from me? And I, and, and I said, well, just t- talk to me a bit about who you are. And what are and he goes, well, I'm, I'm of no interest whatsoever. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have an emotional life. I don't, you know, I'm committed to doing this. I, mean, I don't know really why you're doing it, you know. And I was completely sort of hamstrung until I talked to other people about him. And then... It was very, very moving because these are not gushy theatrical people and they just go, Alan has, Alan is a force for good in the world. And the, the MP, James Arbuthnot, said, it's a privilege any time I spend with Alan because he's, he's just preternaturally intelligent about taking down the post office. Yeah. And, and also, now he's not just... It's not the post office, he's taking on the government because they are the sole... Are they the sole shareholder or yeah, something? Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you, and now that you've spent time in this world, mm. will it ever come to an end? Will anyone ever be held accountable? I think so. I think once we get to the end of this inquiry, I think, I think that, that that will... Uh, but I also think, I hope, that this drama and the documentary that goes with it will also mobilise the general population again and just make people feel like this has got to be sorted and turn it into an election issue or whatever. Yeah, it is. I I mean, as I say, it's been framed in this kind of feel-good family viewing way, but it doesn't hide the kind of terrible human cost and the misery. No, one of the most amazing afternoons, I, I went to the press screening of it and the room was full of press, obviously, and actors and... Uh, ITV production people, but also the postmasters themselves who've been depicted, and the it was a, quite an extraordinary atmosphere because there was sort of jubilation at, at, at it and relief at it. There were also just tears and anger, and people watching it have said to me, "Just saying, it's quite a frustrating watch because you're just going, this is so ridiculous. What's going on? Yeah, uh, you know. No, there's there's shades of 1984 about it. I yeah. mean, it's just yeah. Uh- the cast, because you kind of think, oh, Toby Jones and Mr. Bates, there you go. Yeah. It's an incredible cast. Yeah, yeah. Julie Hesmantal, as you said, Alex Jennings. Uh, now you're going to, now I've got to remember. Monica them. Dolan. Well, of course. Fa- fabulous Monica Dolan. Leah Williams is in it. Will Mellor's in it. It's a very, very starry yeah. bunch of people. Yeah. Great. And uh, the people who came to see it, the the, you know, the regular, the sub-postmasters who went through all of this. Mm. I mean, yes, they found it emotional, but they equally they must be kind of energised by it because they must think, oh, here comes some attention. Yes, I think so. I mean, 
I, I, I can't imagine what it's like. I mean, one of the things that I, before I started doing press for this, I, I, I emailed Alan. I said, "What's the most useful thing I can do?" And he said, "You know, we've got to keep pressure on." Uh, getting compensation for the entire families because of what they've been through as well because, you know, they've been vilified and you see in the show, you see how a family, you know, the kids of a post wants to start getting abused and bullied at school because they're seen as, as crooks. And I think that the the families that I met on that morning, yeah, there was there was kind of excitement at the idea of them being in a, in a TV show, but there's also, yeah, just this long road they've been on and there, there's a sort of... The fact that they can smile at all is remarkable. It really is amazing that they're still going and they're still punching. Yeah. Um, and there, there's that awful moment in the show where the CEO, do, does she get a CBE or an OBE or something? Yeah, yeah, in the right. middle of it all. Yeah. It's just... Shameless. I, I mean, utterly shameless. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, yes, we shouldn't be laughing because it is just awful, awful, yeah. awful. Um and well, I think the, the, uh, it's interesting you say that because I think what's great about the show, uh, from from uh, about the writing that Gwyneth did, she did this incredible thing of condensing all this a uh, you know massive amount of research. But in it, there's also a light. There's a humour. It's not without humour. Oh no, absolutely. Everyone has a sort of very kind of British, uh, kind of downbeat humour going on, and I think that that sort of leavens it a bit. Yes, and also. There's so many really charming, kind of slightly quirky, interesting people. Uh, yeah, because who becomes a, a sub-postmaster? You know, you're in these isolated... I think, you know, it's an interesting thing to try and create a coherent group, which is what Alan did, out of all out of people who've deliberately chosen a job where they are in their own little... They're, they're masters of their own little community. Yes. And he was able to unite them as a group, which is no small achievement, I think. And obviously... Alan Bates is real, but the other characters like Will Miller or Monica Dolan are They're they not comp- playing Will Miller and Monica Dolan? No, no, no. They're you're playing. Not. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, the the people they're playing are those composite people or are those no, no. Real, those are, are those... in fact Joe Hamilton, uh, who 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 Monica plays, the Keen Baker. Yeah, uh, she was at the sc- another screening the other day. Wow, and she had her conviction quashed. Yeah. Have they all had their convictions? Well, that's what you've been called for, isn't it? Is that they want they want a, a universal amnesty on on all of that? But I mean, it, it, there's so many. Every time I think of there's something optimistic, <laughs> Alan corrects me <laughs> and goes, "Yes, up to a point." You know, like yeah, that. Yeah. But, you know, there, it seems endless. And also, the other terrible thing, I think I'm right. The the all the money they were forced to pay back that they hadn't actually taken, they've never got that back. No. So, well, I think it doesn't in the show. She goes, "What? Ha- so, where is that thirty grand? Where is that? you know? If it, what, if, it like, ex- just- if it didn't exist, yeah. and I've paid it back, where's it gone? Yeah, who has it? You know, um, and and also you kind of think thirty grand. To, if you just somebody working in a post office suddenly kind of go, oh, you owe us thirty thousand pounds or a hundred or something. Yeah, Crazy. I mean, I mean, people lost houses and oh, yeah, and I think also the justice thing is interesting. Um, I'm married to a barrister and she says this is often the case that people go, they come in with this belief that if they can tell the truth, there's this fundamental belief in British justice that if I can just tell the truth, I'll be able to represent myself. I don't really need help. And you see that happening, That what happens if you do that yeah. in this show as well. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's a huge sort of like sadness about 
people's faith in injustice, really. Yeah, well, except it does sort of come around in that, what do they call it, an affront to justice or something, a legal thing I've never heard before. Yeah. Uh, where they kind of say, uh, well, hopefully uh, they, the whole thing has a happy... I mean, the, the show does have a happy ending, yeah. but yeah. hopefully in real life it then goes on to have an even happier one. I, I really believe it will do eventually. It's just taken far too long. Uh, listen, thank you very much for bringing the story to our attention. Uh, Mr Bates versus the Post Office. It's on ITV and ITVX, 9 o'clock, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and then the documentary uh, is on at 10.45. Um, actually, that's on the 4th as well. Great. Yeah, there you go. Double bill. Double bill. It's a double bill. Yeah. If, you, if you're liking the sound of Toby Jones' voice now, <laughs> yeah. wait till the 4th of January. <laughs> mm, yeah, then we'll give you, we'll give you something. Uh, have a lovely, lovely Christmas. And you too, Graham. All right, take care. Yourself. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Take care. Still to come, we'll be having another spin of the wheel in a wheelie merry Christmas. But before all of that, let's have one final treat from Martha before the holidays. Uh, Martha, hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. Why, thank you very much. The final bait of Christmas. Okay, and hopefully you can chat on as I slip into a sugary coma. Uh, uh, so what have you made for us today? So this is a chocolate hazelnut hazel, a chocolate hazelnut bouche du Noël. There's too many N's and H's in that sentence. Hey, this is our second bouche du Noël of the day. It's a bouche du Noël kind of day. Yeah, it really is. It's so Noëlly and bouchy. Uh, so, uh, so if you don't want to buy... A bouche noel. This is totally made from scratch. Because I said, although, did you buy those caramel shards? No, you did not. <laughs> no, it is completely from scratch. And as you say, it's a showstopper. It's it, the kind of thing people go, ooh, yeah. fun. And having eaten it, uh, yeah, you still go, ooh, fun after. It's gorgeous. Uh, the thing that frightens me about this is that it is essentially kind of what we would in older days call a Swiss roll. <laughs> yes. So, and you just think rolling a cake. Like, if it goes wrong, is it fixable if it goes wrong? Or do you just sort of start again? Because that's too depressing. So I think if you're talking about the going wrong being kind of like it not it not making the full roll it or breaking. it breaking yeah. or tearing, I think a Yule log, I feel like that's that's the English word for it, Yule log. Bouche de Noël sounds much more exciting, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, it's Christmas log, isn't it? Yeah. Just... My mother used to make it with a, a little plastic robin on top. <laughs> Uh, it's just a log, but the benefit of this is it gets covered in icing. So it's smothered in this chocolate icing to make it look like a log. And then no one's any the wiser as to what's on the inside. So even if it breaks, there's usually some kind of way of patching it together, covering it in icing and still making it look beautiful. OK. And uh, I mean, this still... I mean, yes, OK, you've, you've convinced me about the rolling <laughs> up, but the, the caramel shards look very hard to make. The caramel shards are not, actually not too difficult. If you can make a caramel... You can easily do a caramel shard. Okay. Nice and simple. And it's it's a bit of a steppy recipe. It's a, it's a proper Christmas recipe where you're like, okay, today I'm making a bouche de Noël and that is it. <laughs> and how long will this last? It will last up to three days if you keep it in the fridge. Oh, okay. So if you'll make it kind of next Friday, it'll be fine. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. perfect. Perfect make it. And you can do the sponge a bit earlier as well. And I suppose actually that's the thing, isn't it? People can do a lot of prep on Friday and Saturday and then have a nice time on... Sunday and Monday, Absolutely. which are Christmas Eve and Christmas, yeah. Absolutely. And then Boxing Day, just kind of hit everyone out, you know, sweep them out, go, go for a walk. <laughs> Boxing Day, fight everyone for the last slice of yeah. this. <laughs> go, go foraging, go foraging. Take it away, Martha. 
So, you're sticking your apron on, you're turning your oven on. <laughs> it's definitely an apron one, anything chocolate. Yep. Especially if you're at Christmas, if you're wearing like nice Christmassy clothes. Don't risk it with the cocoa powder. Um, we've got the oven on, we're getting a baking tray. So for a Swiss roll, you can get proper Swiss roll tins, but pretty much any baking tray that's just very shallow and has a lip on the edge will work, will do the job. So you want a baking tray, line it with baking parchment, put it to one side. Then we're going to make our, a sponge, so it's a whisked sponge, doesn't have much flour or much kind of um, cocoa in it. It's but super moist. Lots of eggs and some oil, which keeps it really moist. This is an Ed Kimber recipe I meant to say, which he does amazing bakes, loads of good Christmassy stuff and has written loads of really good books as well, which are good little, good little stocking filler. Mm. Um, but anyway, back to the recipe. We're taking eggs, five eggs, split them into their yolks and into their whites. And then half the sugar goes in the whites, half the sugar goes in the yolks. We're whisking them both separately until they are nice and voluminous. And one's a bit like meringue. One is nice and light and fluffy and pale. Then we are sieving the flour and the cocoa powder into the egg yolk mixture, folding it through to make a batter, then folding through that light meringue egg white until you get this really light beautiful bubbly batter pour it into your swiss roll tin spread it out and then it goes into the oven for about 13 to 14 minutes so it's that's quite all a quick way that's what i love about a swiss roll because as you were saying can it go wrong it can go wrong but it only takes 13 minutes for you to figure that out <laughs> so <laughs> then you go okay i'm going to start again and you haven't wasted too much time okay <laughs> so that once that's baked you want to get it out Tip it onto, like, kind of invert it upside down onto a sheet of baking parchment dusted with some cocoa powder, and then you want to roll it up when it's hot. This is how you get that nice spiral effect. So you roll it up while it's hot, then leave it to cool completely on one side, and that can kind of stay rolled up for up to a couple of days whilst you. Is this the way you roll the parchment paper too, so it all? Yes. Yes. Kind of all... roll it all up, and then I roll the whole thing in a tea towel at the end just to keep it all moist and okay. in one piece. And then when you're ready to kind of start to serve it or start to think about decorating it, you want to take some double cream. We're mixing that with a lovely posh hazelnut spread. So you could use Nutella, or you can get the Bon Maman hazelnut chocolate spread. Oh, in a bon jar. Moment. I know, very posh, but very well, for delicious. Bouche, for Bouche Noel, surely it's bon moment. For Christmas, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. We've got to take the theme. So you're taking that lovely spread, we're mixing that with some amaretto and some um, vanilla bean paste and the cream. Half the cream is going to go on the inside of our roll and then the rest of the cream, we're going to add that chocolate spread to and then that goes on the outside Gotcha. The roll oh, I and see. patch up any little okay. cracks there. Like if you, you can cover it all up. You can use a palette knife to make nice lines. And then to finish it with the shards of hazelnut. These are lovely and kind of see-through, glistening caramel shards. So they really make it look quite sparkly and yeah. a Christmassy number. You just want to take caster sugar, two tablespoons of water, stick that in a small frying pan, allow that to come to a nice golden caramel colour. You don't need to stir it. You just need to kind of tilt the pan gently till you get this lovely caramel. Then you chuck in your hazelnuts. Pour it all onto a baking parchment line tray, roll it around so that it spreads out, and then leave it for about 15 minutes to set. And then you can kind of take a mallet to it, bash it to your heart's content till you Lovely. have these little shards, and then cover the top, make it like a little spiky dinosaur roll. Nice. <laughs> and then have the number of an emergency dentist uh, in case Granny <laughs> Granny breaks her dentures on it. <laughs> uh, what well, that doesn't? Do you know what? You are so calm when you talk about these things. You just think, oh, yeah, that's probably doable. Yeah, I could probably do that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, if you'd like that recipe, uh, you could head to waitrose.com slash showchef and you can see all the recipes prepared by Martha. You could also check out how gorgeous the chocolate hazelnut bouche de Noël looks uh, on our socials at Virgin Radio UK. And uh, so uh, is this you finished for work? Are you kind of... 
going home and you're cooking up a storm? I think, yeah, go be going home. The work of a chef is never done. So you're always <laughs> expected, obviously, to cook the Christmas meal, which I do love and look forward to. But I'll be on next week <laughs> <laughs> to confirm I do love and look forward yeah. to that, Mum and Dad. <laughs> I do. Yeah. No, seriously, I'm fine. Yeah, no, yeah. I love doing it. No. Yeah, I love wearing my chef's whites on Christmas Day. Yeah, thanks, everyone. I'll yeah. put on a nice homey apron, but I am on next week with Angela and Kate giving some top tips for Christmas. <gasps> OK, I'll be listening. I'll be listening for some top tips for Christmas. Thank you very much. Well, now, that jazzy Christmas music can mean only one thing. Yes, it's time for the Weedy Merry Christmas competition. Uh, there are 10 waitress prizes on the wheel up for grabs. Uh, things like uh, Christmas Winter Village Chocolate Box, Jack Loudon will be pleased. Uh, Jewel Stuffed Bronze Turkey Crown, Christmas Old Fashioned Glazed Ham, your waitress Christmas party paid for. There will be some terms and conditions, I'm guessing. <laughs> your Christmas party paid for. Uh, all right, playing, we have Natalie. Hello, Natalie. Hello. Congratulations for getting through. Uh, whereabouts are you? Uh, Sheffield. Lovely. And uh, what have you got planned on this Sunday before Christmas? Oh, uh, just a bit of shopping and possibly a walk if we can be bothered. I love it. So you are you totally organised or are you kind of thinking, oh, we've got days left? Oh, in between, in between, not too bad. <laughs> well, if you're going for a walk, I'd say you're pretty organised, Natalie. You're on it. Are you having lots of people around for Christmas or is it a small one? No, we go home to my mum, so that's probably why I'm organised, because I just rock up and it's all done. You're one of those people. All <laughs> right. <Unfortunately>. Na- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your, your mother's now listening to the radio going, why that lazy woman? I'm... <laughs> <laughs> she's, Absolutely. Yeah, she, she's running around drenched in sweat. <laughs> Natalie's going for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> uh, all right. What happens here is I'm going to ask you a very simple Christmas-based question. If you get it correct, you will get it correct. Um, <laughs> we'll spin the wheel, and whatever it lands on will be yours. Okay. Lovely. Those are, it's very simple. Uh, okay. So the question is this. A court of detention music, please. I, well, you might get it wrong, but I don't think you might. Uh, according, according to the song, Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa is making a list and checking it how many times? Uh, twice. Are you right? You are right, oh. yes. Congratulations, Natalie. Okay, Thank you, you. you you are not going away empty-handed. You will get something, something. Okay. All right, the best of Christmas luck to you. I'm now wheeling away from the mic to spin the wheel. Here we go, here we go. Okay, good luck, Natalie. Thank you. And big spin and oh, off it goes, off it goes. Oh, I may have overdone that. Uh, we could be here for some time. <laughs> uh, it's still going round, still going round. Well, would you believe it? You have won. Uh, I can't believe how many times I've said this today. You've won a number one golden booster Noel. Ooh, lovely. Hopefully, it comes with <laughs> caramel shards. Thing. Yes, your mother will be thrilled. She, yeah, she can put down. She can put down the wooden spoon now because she doesn't have to make one. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Look, mom, I brought you a booster yeah. Noel. Yeah. <laughs> Tell her you made it. Daughter, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell her you made it yourself. Uh, oh, uh, congratulations. Anyone you'd like to say hello to while you're uh, on air? Uh, just anyone who knows me. Love to all, Kiffinkin. And uh, thanks, Graham, and a happy Christmas to you all. 
Oh, well, listen, Merry Christmas to you, Natalie, and your mom, and the rest of your family. Uh, travel safe, and I hope you have a great time, and congratulations. Thank you, Thank you All very right. much. All right, bye now. Bye. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. Bye-bye-bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening today. You can catch me every Saturday and Sunday from 9.30 on Virgin Radio. Follow us on all our socials to keep up to date and make sure you check out our YouTube channel too. Just look up at Virgin Radio UK and you'll find loads of great interviews and live sessions. Until next time. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. 